Patients with inflammatory bowel diseases, IBD, are at a greater risk of developing anemia, a common complication that affects their quality of life and is associated with higher rates of other IBD-related complications. Iron deficiency and chronic blood loss are common causes of anemia in patients with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Gaps in the importance of anemia management, diagnostic, and awareness in patients with IBD continue to exist among healthcare providers. You are listening to CCFA Perspectives, Crohn's and Colitis Updates on ReachMD. And I am Laura Wingate, Vice President of Education, Support, and Advocacy at the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America. Joining me today to discuss anemia care is gastroenterologist Dr. Jason Howe, Assistant Professor of Gastroenterology at Baylor College of Medicine. Dr. Jason Howe, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. I'm going to jump right into our first question. How common is anemia in IBD patients, and how does it affect their quality of life specifically? Anemia, unfortunately, is quite common in patients with IBD. There is a wide range of estimates of how common or the prevalence of anemia in IBD patients, but most estimates range in about a quarter to a third of patients. Anemia is present in our IBD patients for many reasons. As you mentioned, these patients may have issues with bleeding, which can lead to anemia over time. Many of our patients with IBD have restrictions in their diet, which can also contribute to iron deficiency anemia. And there are other causes of anemia that may be related to medications or other things that they're taking. So there are a lot of different causes of anemia in patients with IBD, which contributes to the relatively high prevalence of this condition in our patients. It's particularly important for our patients because it does have an impact on quality of life. As you mentioned, patients with anemia and IBD are at a higher risk of having problems with complications down the road. They are more likely to have issues with symptoms of fatigue, which really is one of the major complaints of our patients in general. So it has a very large clinical impact on our patients. On the diagnostic side, how does recognition of iron deficiency in an IBD patient lead to a diagnosis of anemia? Well, the diagnosis of anemia in our IBD patients is relatively straightforward. There are criteria as set aside by the World Health Organization that most clinicians do abide to and follow. That is a cutoff of 12 grams per deciliter in women and less than 13 grams per deciliter in men. And that is the definition that most clinicians will appreciate as the diagnosis of anemia. What gets a little bit more tricky is the definition of iron deficiency. As I mentioned, all of our IBD patients are at risk for having iron deficiency, but they also are at risk for anemia from other causes. And probably one of the more common causes would be either acute blood loss or related to medications. There are varying ways to define iron deficiency. The gold standard for iron deficiency uh, diagnosis is really a bone marrow biopsy, which is really too invasive to be used for most of our patients. There are different definitions using ferritin in patients without inflammatory bowel disease, but as many clinicians appreciate, ferritin can be misleading in patients with IBD because ferritin also goes up in inflammation, which again is a common observation in our patients with IBD. So there are different approaches and definitions of iron deficiency in patients with anemia and IBD. The recommendation that we use, and we'll be talking a little bit later about uh, the anemia care pathway, but corresponds with most of the major guidelines. 
is to consider a patient as having inadequate iron stores if their ferritin is less than 100 nanograms per milliliter or if their transferrin saturation is below 20%. So what are your first management steps for patients to whom you either suspect are anemic or have been diagnosed with anemia? The first steps of management and approach of a patient who's anemic or suspected anemia is to get to the bottom of what is the cause of the anemia. In patients who you're suspecting anemia, this could be patients who, for example, give clinical complaints of acute blood loss or increases in blood loss, GI blood loss, patients who are having increasing complaints of fatigue, which may indicate anemia, or patients who have, you know, look unusually pale or increased pallor on physical exam. Those are patients where we would be suspicious of anemia. In terms of how we end up with the next steps of management in these patients, first is to make the diagnosis, which would be the hemoglobin levels, and then the transferrin or ferritin levels, which give us the formal diagnosis of patient with anemia and inadequate iron stores. Once a patient has formal diagnosis of being anemia and having inadequate iron stores, those patients then are directed towards iron therapy management. In patients who are anemic but for example, have adequate iron stores and adequate with higher levels of ferritin and transfer and saturation, then goes the task of looking at their other causes of anemia, such as reviewing their medication lists, has there been any changes, as well as to get a better sense of the acuity of their blood loss, for example, which may account for a drop in their hemoglobin to make them anemic without having other indices of inadequate iron stores. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to CCFA Perspectives, Crohn's Colitis Updates on ReachMD. I am Laura Wingate, and I am speaking with Dr. Jason Howe, Assistant Professor of Gastroenterology at Baylor College of Medicine. Turning to specific treatment considerations, when do you use IV iron over oral iron in treating anemia? It does become an issue and a clinical decision a lot of providers need to make. Coming to the diagnosis of anemia is relatively straightforward, as I mentioned. The decision of the route of iron is really dependent on the patient. There have been studies showing that patients who get IV iron may have a better response, a quicker response than patients on oral iron. Other issues regarding uh, decisions about oral versus IV iron may also have to do with if their IBD is active. As we'll talk about in a few moments about the Care Pathway for Anemia Project, we do delineate in patients who have active IBD, we tend to recommend IV iron over oral iron for several reasons. One is, as I mentioned, there is data supporting that IV iron may be better tolerated and better at bringing up hemoglobin levels compared to oral iron. The other aspect that's a very important consideration, especially for patients, is the tolerability. Oral iron in many patients, not all patients, but in many patients, can result in GI side effects such as abdominal discomfort, nausea, which in the patients with active IBD who have other IBD-related GI symptoms often are not tolerated or we may not want to exacerbate. So with the currently available oral iron formulations, it is often a limitation if the patient also has active IBD. So in patients with active IBD, we tend to favor or recommend IV iron in those patients. However, patients who have inactive IBD and who we suspect may be able to tolerate oral iron, we may choose to recommend oral iron first. As a follow-up question, is there a role for erythropoietin in treating anemia among IBD patients? Currently, there is not a clear role for erythropoietin in treating anemia among IBD patients. Erythropoietin is an agent which can stimulate the production of red blood cells in patients, but 
erythropoietin in certain studies in animals has been shown already to be elevated in patients with IBD and intestinal inflammation. So in majority of patients with IBD, the reason that they have anemia is not because they don't have enough erythropoietin. Erythropoietin, again, is more typically reserved for patients who have uh, various reasons that they're unable to make enough erythropoietin, uh, often with uh, chronic renal disease. Therefore, in most of our patients who are anemic with IBD, we don't typically require erythropoietin. There have been at least one small study that I know of where they have used erythropoietin safely in IBD patients with refractory anemia. But in most scenarios with IBD patients who have anemia, uh, we would often recommend consultation with a hematologist uh, to make sure everything else has been evaluated, patients been thoroughly evaluated before using erythropoietin in addition to iron therapy. Can you talk to us about the care pathway for anemia project that you are leading in collaboration with CCFA? What are the goals and why is this important? We are very excited about the Care Pathway for Anemia project in conjunction with the CCFA. As we've been talking about for the last uh, several minutes, that anemia really is an important complication in our IBD patients. As the start of the Care Pathway project for anemia, we surveyed providers to get a sense of how they approach anemia in their IBD patients. And there's a growing body of literature showing that anemia is very common, as we mentioned at the very beginning of this interview. What we found were there's a lot of variation in how providers view anemia in their IBD patients. It's quite common for providers to see anemia as a, quote, natural part of inflammatory bowel disease, and therefore management of anemia tends to take a back burner to other management of medical management for IBD. However, there's no literature showing that the two conditions cannot be treated concomitantly. And as we also mentioned, anemia can result in adverse outcomes in the long run in our patients, as well as a decreased quality of life due primarily to fatigue. So anemia is and continues to be a, a real big concern and problem, important concern and issue in our IBD patients. There are multiple guidelines in terms of providing care and recommendations for IBD patients with anemia. However, there's often difficulty in translating what's in a guideline to what is really happening in clinical practice, and that's where the Care Pathway for Anemia Project falls into. The purpose of the Care Pathway was to really try our best to translate the best available evidence-based medicine from guidelines and recommendations and incorporate that into a way that practitioners and clinicians in their daily practice can incorporate the screening, evaluation, intervention, and follow-up for patients with anemia. So the emphasis, as I mentioned, really is to, number one, screen your patients, evaluate if patients have anemia, and if they have anemia, that they should be addressed in terms of approach and management of their anemia. At that time, it does not need to be delayed for their IBD management. The evaluation, as I mentioned, was using a little bit more of a general definition of inadequate iron stores of ferritin less than 100 or a transferrin saturation of less than 20% to determine patients who may benefit from additional iron therapy. And we also go through in the care pathway practical ways of, of getting your patients iron therapy and, and a general guideline of when these patients should be followed up. I know the IBD patient community appreciates the work around anemia and addressing fatigue. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Jason Howell, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm your host, Laura Wingate. To access this episode and others in this series and to download the ReachMD app, please visit ReachMD.com.
We encourage you to leave comments and share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening.